0: Lastly, last week we started a study on the Trinity. I said I had originally wanted to go over the subject of the Trinity in the Old Testament because it's not as clear or as articulated in the Old Testament as it is in the New, but it is definitely there. But then I decided let's look at the Trinity and define it in the New Testament before we look back to the Old Testament and start going through those scriptures. So we said last week, the Trinity is not like anything else because God is not like anything else. There is no easy illustration or way to define God or put him in a box that we can understand. But simply put, the Bible teaches us that there is one God, yet there is three persons. Trinity means three, yet one. It's the triune Godhead. God the Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Father or the Son. They are separate, they are distinct, yet God the Father is God, the Son Jesus Christ is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. We do not believe that God is a shapeshifter who sometimes morphs into the Son and sometimes into the Holy Spirit and sometimes stays as the Father. We know very simply that the Bible states over and over again, there is one God Yet over and over again, and we'll see how much of it we get to this morning, the Bible articulates the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the roles that they play. Last week, most of the scriptures we looked at were the relationship of the Father and of the Son. Let me repeat this real quick, and we'll talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit this morning. The role of the Father is that He is God. He is Creator. The Son humbled Himself under the Father, and the Father therefore exalted the Son, Jesus Christ, above any other name. The role of jesus christ the son of god is that he is also god he is co-creator of everything that was ever made he humbled himself under the father as part of god's plan became incarnate in the flesh to die for our sins and the scripture says he is the coming judge and king now we move this morning to the role of the holy spirit the holy spirit is god the holy spirit reproves the world of sin righteousness and judgment he is the comforter and teacher of the body of Christ, of the church, and he is the empowerer of the church. He is, was the instrument of divine revelation and inspiration when the Bible was given, and he was the anointer of Jesus Christ. Last week, we stopped off on John 1, 1 through 4, and it states the fact that Jesus Christ is the light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Every man and woman that is born, Jesus died for their sins. The scripture says he is the propitiation not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. When he died on the cross and shed his blood, it was for every sin that was ever paid, full well knowing that some people would use their free will to reject his sacrifice, but yet he still paid for their sins. And as I was thinking about the fact that it says that Jesus is the light, that lighteth every man that cometh into the world, I thought about the role of the Trinity and how the Bible describes pulling people to God and convicting them that they should be sinned, that they should be saved, that they are sinners and they need a savior. In John chapter six, Jesus said, no man can come unto me except the father draw him. There's God, the father drawing people towards Jesus Christ as savior. Jesus around the same passage said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. Now we see Jesus drawing all men to himself and also John 1 saying he is the light that lighteth every man that cometh in to the world. And yet we'll see here in John chapter 16, it is the Holy Spirit that reproves the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment every member of the Trinity has said at one point or another to have a role in drawing those who are lost to God. Let's get to the scripture, John chapter 16 and verse number five. Last week, we looked at a lot of passages in the book of John where Jesus was talking about the father and his relationship and how I and my father are one. And he told Philip, if you've seen me You have seen the father here in this chapter. He talks about the Holy Spirit, the comforter that is to come. John 16, beginning in verse number five, Jesus says, but now I go my way to him that sent me and none of you asketh me whither goest thou. Again, it was the father who sent him. He's talking about the father in verse number three, verse six. But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Jesus is saying, I'm going to go back to my father that sent me. I'm going back to heaven. But he says, don't be sad that I'm leaving. Then he says, it is expedient for you that I go away. It basically means it's beneficial. It helps move along to accomplish a goal. He's basically telling them it is good for you that I go back to heaven. And well, how could that be good for them that Jesus will leave? He says, it's good for you because if I don't go away, the comforter will not come. But if I leave, then I will send him unto you this is a name of the holy spirit we know as we'll look and see the scriptures to come the holy spirit was given on the day of pentecost in acts one acts chapter one and two it begins the story of after jesus left they were to wait they were to be witnesses unto the whole world but after that the holy ghost has come upon you In Acts chapter, I think it's chapter two, where they were all in one place and one accord at the same time, the Holy Spirit was given the sign of the cloven tongues of fire and the Holy Spirit came and indwelt the believers, every believer on earth for the first time and thereby empowered them to carry out the gospel mission of the church of Jesus Christ. So that's who he's talking about in verse seven. He's talking about the Holy Spirit and comforter is a name of God. It's a name specifically of the Holy Spirit. Verse eight. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my father and ye see me no more. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. What is he talking about? Conviction. The Holy Spirit will come and will reprove the inhabitants of the earth of sin, righteousness, and judgment. You are sinful. Christ is righteous, you will face judgment if you do not come to him as if we labor to give the gospel to someone who is lost. It's an exercise of faith to think, how can I convince someone or witness to them through my abilities and change their eternity, allowing them to come to faith in Christ? That's not what we're doing. We're simply doing what God has commanded us to do. And the Holy Spirit of God will convict that person's heart. And we'll tell them that they are lost and that God is real. God has created all of us with something inside of us that already wants to know him. And some people may kick against that. And they say, I don't believe there's a God and it's ridiculous. And sometimes the Christian may just smile and say, I know that God is working on your heart. I know that God is doing the work. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He reproves the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Verse 12. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit is come, he will guide you into all truth for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear that shall he speak and he will show you things to come. When you read the Bible, you're reading a book that was authored by God. It's not man's book. We'll see in a minute, Second Peter says, holy men of old spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That was part of his role, was he moved them and told them inspiration means the breath of God. It's the words of God, even though he used human instruments to write it down. So you're reading a book that was authored by God, and also it says the spirit of truth will guide you into all truth if you have God inside of you reading a book that God authored, God will teach you that book. If you seek him and try to learn, God will guide you. And that's a role of the Holy Spirit as well. Verse 14, he shall glorify me for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. Again, just as how we're all human beings and equal in the eyes of God, but there's a different role for the police officer and the citizen there's a different role for the teacher and the student the husband and the wife as the bible defines it so the holy the the trinity is all, all the Father, Son, and Spirit are all God, and they are all equal, but they have taken on different roles. It was the plan of God, and it's how God has chosen to work. And it says that the Holy Spirit will not speak of himself, but he will speak what comes from the Father and the Son. And verse 14 says, he shall glorify me. So Jesus submitted himself to the will of the Father. The Father said, I will take the name of Jesus and elevate it above every name that ever has been. And the Holy Spirit will give power to do the work of God and will give glory to Jesus and to the Father. Verse 15, all things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you a little while and ye shall not see me. And again, a little while and ye shall see me because I go to the Father. So notice again in verse 15 and 16, as he's talking about himself and as he's talking about the Holy Spirit, Then he turns back and talks to the Father. The passages are numerous in the New Testament where you can read one section of Scripture and see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all articulated and pointed to as God. And we see that just in these few verses that we saw here. Let's see, in Acts chapter 1 and 2, the Holy Spirit was given. We talked about that. Let's look at Acts chapter 10. In verse number 38, we have a lot of scriptures. We'll move quickly. So if you want to turn to them all or just listen to some of them, we'll see how much of this we can get through this morning. Acts 10 verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. So a couple things to note, we're talking about the role of the Holy Ghost. It says here, the Holy Ghost anointed Jesus with power. Then we're also talking about passages that define and reference all three members of the Trinity at once. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost. The Bible says there's one God, yet the Bible over and over again says of these three that they are God and that they are one. Um, Ephesians three five. I think this is the last one we'll talk about for now specifically relating to the role of the Holy Spirit. We already mentioned 2 Peter one twenty one. He moved the men as they were moved by the Holy Ghost, they wrote the Bible, 2 Peter one twenty one. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 5, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, speaking of Jesus Christ, verse 4 references the mystery of Christ, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. The mystery of Jesus is revealed to the followers of God through the Holy Spirit. He is the convictor, the revealer, and the teacher and comforter of the church. Okay, so while we're here, let's look at 1 John chapter 5. With the time remaining this morning we're going to back up to matthew in just a moment and in order go through the new testament not every verse but look at numerous references to the trinity where we see the trinity articulated all three of them in one verse or one section and i'm going to go through the new testament in order but first we'll look at the most famous verse in the new testament that comes to deal with the trinity First John 5, 7 says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Amen. This verse most clearly defines and articulates the Trinity. It's been said this is the most controversial verse in the entire New Testament as to whether or not it was in the Greek and what people say. So the only thing I want to say about that is this is the most clear verse about the Trinity. But if you were to do a debate with someone, a scholastic debate, and you wanted to concede the point that we won't talk about this verse for now, you would still 100% see the Trinity taught exactly the way this verse says it. So that's what we'll we'll look at that one first because it's the most famous. Then let's back up to Matthew chapter 28. And with the time remaining, we're doing a lot of just turning to scriptures, but hopefully it'll be a blessing and we could get through all of these and maybe next week move to the Trinity in the Old Testament. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19. It is good for us to have a refresher and to remember and just to as quickly as we can look at how many verses there are that refer to all three members of the Trinity. We've defined it in the New Testament. Then next week we'll look and try to see the teaching of the Trinity in the Old Testament, even though it's a little bit more clouded than it is in the New. Matthew 28 verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, when you baptize, do you baptize them in the name of God? You baptize them in the name of Father and Son and Holy Ghost. It's Jesus Christ. It's the Father. It's the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter one and verse thirty five. This is Christmas season. This is talking about the birth of Jesus Christ and how it was miraculous that God was the father, that she was a virgin, yet she gave birth to Jesus Christ. Verse 34, then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be? Seeing I know not a man. And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of of God. The Trinity is there in that verse because it's the son, which is Jesus, but it's the son of God and it's the power of the highest and it's the Holy Spirit that overshadowed Mary. Luke chapter three and verse 21. Jason, would you read verse 21 and 22?
1: The heaven was opened, And the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved son,
0: I am well pleased. I think we read another account of this story last week in one of the other gospels. But again we see Jesus in the water getting baptized, the Holy Ghost descending from heaven, and a voice saying, This is my beloved son, who says that the father. It's the Trinity clearly defined in this one verse. And again, the Bible says over and over again, there's one God, there's one God. So we look at all of the verses that say there's one God and all of the verses that point to the father, son, and Holy spirit. And we know that there are three, but as we read, these three are one. Um, let me see where we are. John chapter three. John chapter three in verse number five, this is Nicodemus coming to Jesus asking, how can a man be born again when he is old? For Jesus told him in order to enter the kingdom of God, you must be born again. Verse five, Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. The word spirit is capitalized in this verse because they recognize that it's talking about God himself, the Holy Spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. It's separate births. The new birth is of the Holy Spirit. You must be born again, Jesus said, born of the Spirit when you receive Christ as Savior. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So there it speaks of, it's Jesus speaking. He's speaking about the Holy Spirit. Now look down to verse 16, John three sixteen. Ever heard of this verse? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So already in this chapter, we've seen the Trinity, the father, the son, the Holy Spirit, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God the Father sent the Son, the Holy Spirit is there to do the work, all of that we see just in John chapter 3. Let's turn to John chapter 14. I think last week we read this passage and stopped on verse number 14, but let's read verse 14 and continue on. John fourteen fourteen. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Again, this is Jesus speaking. If ye love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. This is Jesus saying, God will give you the Holy Spirit. Verse 17. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. What does the Holy Spirit do? It indwells the believers. First Corinthians, know ye not that ye are not your own, for your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. God indwells us after we are born again. Verse 18, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while in the world seeth me no more, but ye see me because I live, ye shall live also. At that day, ye shall know that I am in my father and ye in me and I in you. Again, just verse 14 through 20. We see the son. We see the father. We see the Holy Spirit. Yet the Bible is true when it over and over again says Old Testament and New Testament. There's only one God. There's three, but these three are one. How does that make sense? I don't think there's much way for us in our human mind to understand it or compare it to anything else other than to say we believe by faith that what the Bible says about God is true and that God is different than anything else that God created. His ways are higher. He's above us. They are three, yet they dwell in such unity of will and holiness together that these three persons are just one God. Anyone else have a comment on that to say it better? I love the the thought that you just said that his ways are higher than our ways, that uh,
1: we cannot fully grasp or understand or explain God, and yet he explains it to us very clearly in his word. The one verse says that we see through a glass darkly, like a clouded glass, that you you can't see, but you can't see it perfectly. His ways are higher than our ways, but he sent Jesus to us to be the bridge between God and man. So there's... Some truth that we can't fully understand it, but if we study it, we can receive
0: a blessing from it, Amen. It. Absolutely. And what we don't grasp by comparing it to ourselves or to things God created, we believe by faith. But yes, as we study, the word of God does define what it means. John chapter 14. Um, Jason, would you mind one more time, read verse 23 through 26. And again, as we read, notice how many times it's Jesus, it's the father, and it's the spirit. John 14, 23 through 26.
1: Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which he hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you.
0: The Father sent me, will send the Holy Spirit, Father, will send Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. John fifteen twenty six, right across the page. John 15 and verse 26. Here again, the Trinity in one verse. But when the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, right there. Holy Spirit's coming from the Father, sent by Jesus. Even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. Okay, we're almost out of time, but we'll move as quickly as we can to get in a few more of these. Let's go to Acts chapter 1 and verse 4. Acts 1, 4, and 5. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem but wait for the promise of the Father which saith he ye have heard of me for john truly baptized with water but ye shall be baptized with the holy ghost not many days hence it's jesus saying the promise of the father is coming that you will be baptized with the holy ghost um acts chapter 2 and verse 32 Peter, preaching here on the day of Pentecost, as the Holy Spirit is to be given, Acts 2.32, this Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God, exalted, having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, which he hath shed forth this, which ye now see and hear. That's what we're looking at this morning, all passages that all together point to Jesus God raised up, being highly exalted, the right hand of God, having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost. Verse 37 of the same chapter says that when they heard Peter's preaching, they were pricked in their heart. This is what the Holy Spirit does as we proclaim the Word of God. The people who hear will be convicted by the Spirit of God, and then what they choose to do, we have to leave between them and God. We cannot force anyone to come to Christ, but we can proclaim the truth acts 10 verse 38 acts 10:38 how god anointed jesus of nazareth with the holy ghost and with power who went about doing good we read that already didn't we talking about the trinity it's god anointing jesus with the holy ghost um, okay, so we won't read it this morning, but Romans chapter 8, if you would like to read this week, what I would suggest doing is going through Romans chapter 8, and every time there's a reference to God, highlight it. Because over and over again, it says Christ Jesus, Spirit, Spirit, Jesus Christ, God, Son. That's all in the first three verses, and you probably can't see, but if you go through and highlight every reference to God... There's probably about 30 of them in Romans chapter eight and every single one. It's like, again, I'll just read you the words that I highlighted throughout the chapter. Spirit, 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 God, God, spirit, spirit of God, spirit of Christ, Christ, spirit. That's just the first third of the chapter over and over again. It refers to God and to a different member of the Trinity. So that's an interesting Bible study. Let's see, three minutes. Let's just look at a couple more scriptures. Second Corinthians chapter one. Second Corinthians one verse 21. Now he which establisheth us with you in Christ hath anointed us is God who also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Again, Christ, God, and Spirit, all referenced right there together. And remember, as we could, as First John 5, 7 says, these three are one, Jesus said, I and my Father are one. He wasn't talking about the Holy Spirit there at that moment, but the teaching of there being three, but these three being one is in the Bible and all over the Bible. Second Corinthians chapter 13, In verse 14, the ending verse of the epistle, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. Jesus, God, Holy Ghost. Um, Galatians 4. We have three more references here. Galatians 4. And verse six. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, father, the father, the son, the spirit of his son, all in the same verse. Two more verses. Titus chapter three. lot of scriptures this morning i think next week will be interesting as we can turn to the old testament which is where i wanted to get to but this is just a good refresher to see how many times the new testament again these are not all of the references but just how many times it the trinity is taught in the new testament titus chapter 3 and verse 4 but after that the kindness and love of god our savior toward man appeared not by works of righteousness which we have done but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Uh, praise God. The Bible is so good. Last reference for, uh 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2. Verse number one, Peter says that this is addressed to the strangers who are scattered abroad. They were being persecuted. And then he says this in verse two, elect according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. What a beautiful thing. The Father, the Spirit, the the blood of Jesus Christ, again, just in one verse over and over again, we see the Trinity articulated in the New Testament. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we looked at a lot of scriptures this morning, and hopefully we have in our mind how soundly the New Testament points over and over again to the Trinity being the one true God, the roles of the Father, the Son, and of the Spirit. We pray that you would bless the service that will begin in a few moments, and Pastor, as he preaches to us this morning, we pray that your will would be done here in your church and that your Holy Spirit would meet with us and that your name would be glorified in these things we ask in Jesus' name, amen.